On this week's episode of the podcast, tis the season for some European championships, and Drew has another European championship story for us. It's it's the other one. It's the other Euro champ story. Yes. Well, I'm excited, and I hope you are too, so buckle up, because this is Deadball Brothers. Welcome to Deadball Brothers, a weekly podcast about soccer and history with a healthy, healthy dose of stupidity brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast and your lovely hosts, me, everybody's favorite soccer journalist, content writer, camera appearance maker, eggs, Benedict Haver, Adam Whitaker Snavely, joined as always by my real life brother, Drew Snavely. And event professional. Event professional. That's <laughs> what pays the bills, That's what baby. pays the bills, baby. And I'm happy for you. I'm glad that you have gainful employment. And that, <laughs> that is the path you have chosen. And, and it's good. It's a good, good thing. It's, it's a path that I'm currently on. It's a path. <laughs> not, not that I've chosen it. Just that I have ended up here. <laughs> well, you know, I, I chose it. And it's the path I'm currently on, but... You know, you you get to two sections of the road where there's another path that pops up, and you just never know when that happens. So True. that's a there's a literary reference there. Yeah. Oh, did you throw that in there just for me? No. Little little two paths diverged in a yellow wood. Well, you know, I'm a big fan I of took Robert Frost. The one less traveled by. But he really didn't. He, he didn't just lied about yeah, it. Yeah, he lied about and it. Everybody misunderstood what he yeah, was saying. Yeah, it's a it's a poem that's easy to misunderstand. But he was basically saying, "I'll save the road road less traveled on for another day." Yeah, and take the one that everybody else is taking. Yeah, what an idiot! I don't know, man. Maybe when he's I think, smart. When I think of Robert <laughs> it's Frost, a lot less work. When I, when I think of Robert Frost, I think, uh, "What a classic American poet, idiot, dunce." <laughs> just kidding. Robert Frost is cool. Uh, Drew. Yeah. European champion. Well, really, like almost every continental championship yeah, is upon us. Yeah. We got CONCACAF Nations League. We do. US Mexico tonight, as of recording this, it is Sunday afternoon where we are. Yeah. Um, I am honestly only a little bit scared just because Mexico have beaten us so frequently that if they beat us again, I'm just kind of going to be like, eh, well, looks like we still have to get better. Knew that already. Yeah. Uh yeah. It's just something about the cohesion of the Mexican squad. They feel like it feels like they always play together whereas the US has a lot of individual talent now. The US does have a lot of individual but individual talent. They we're still working on that cohesiveness which uh I mean probably stems from several players just playing in different leagues yeah. whereas I mean they have that in for the Mexico team as well, but they also have several players that play in Mexico. They do. Um, and the U.S. doesn't have that I, um, as much. I said this while watching the U.S.-Honduras game, which, I mean, there was a lot of hand-wringing and a lot of people that were saying, Berhalter should be fired after that game. Um, <laughs> after a win. <laughs> yep, after winning one of the Honduras. Uh, man, I made the statement, I don't think that we, we would be... I don't think that we should dominate this Honduras team given how they play in general. And people were like, we shouldn't dominate Honduras. 
I was like, I mean, when was the last time we dominated Honduras? Like, we weren't even dominating dominating Honduras when we were like, oh, well, some of these people were like, we used to have no problems with Mexico and Landon Donovan and Clint Dempsey. Blah, 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 blah. Christian Pulisic won the Champions League kind of thing. I was like, I hear you. Yeah. I, I hear you. Watching the game was interesting just because I get the frustration. I had my own frustrations. I thought that there were points where Burhalter was being outcoached. Yeah. Uh, it felt like the midfield in particular was really, really stifled, and he attempted really nothing to, to like change that, um, which was, uh, I mean, like unfortunate, not, yeah. not a good thing in, in my eyes. Um, but also you have the fact that Honduras were literally like playing for a draw slash just see if Albert Elise and Anthony Lozano can kind of create something out of nothing yeah. up top because that's kind of what they do. Like and that's, that's what that's they what did. That's what they're good at. Yeah. Um, and, and so, so I understand, I understand the frustrations because should, should I want to be at a place where we are routinely beating Honduras and it's not like an open question mark? Yeah, absolutely. Um, do I think we're at that point yet? No. And I don't think that necessary, necessarily everybody should think that we are at that point, given the players that we have, we have a lot of good players and a lot of individual talent, which was what made the game an interesting watch because we got out coached and at times play got stymied, but also we were at times putting together some of like the prettiest attacks. Yeah. I can remember any U S player making any U S men's player that is yeah. making for a long, long time. Um, oh man, if Gio Reyna had only squared that ball to Josh Sargent. Gosh, dude. We have so many players that are slick in attack now. Yes. Just, just like, just with you, with the foot at your ball, looks good and it looks pretty. Yep. And With the foot at your ball. Yeah. On With the ball at your foot all across, is what you meant to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all across the front. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, when was the last time something like that happened? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to remember uh, the U.S. needing a result in El Salvador in the hex and being down a goal and needing a brace from Connor Casey to save them, to get, to help them out in world cup qualifying. So I can't say that we have had a, like a better, more talented front line than I think we do right now. Yeah. I like, I, I just don't think I can say that. Yeah. But at the same time, I get the frustrations. Um, I think also, in both games, altitude really, really played a huge role because in the second half, in both games, in both uh, U.S., Honduras, and Mexico, Costa Rica, the drop-off in play was massive in yeah. the second half. Uh, the U.S. did find that goal. Mexico and Costa Rica went to pens. It did. Uh, so Costa Rica were probably a little bit more outmatched Uh versus Mexico than I think Honduras was versus the United States in several ways. But at the end of the day, pretty two similar results, two similar patterns of play altitude really rules the day. So we'll see how it goes. There are rumors that Tyler Adams might start. That would be really, really cool. That'd be super dope. Bless as up. long as he can stay healthy <laughs> yeah. while, while playing. Speaking of staying healthy, the Copa America is apparently happening in Brazil amid some really bad COVID numbers in all of South America, including Brazil. Yeah. Uh, Brazil's national team players, uh, Casemiro and Chiche, uh, their coach, have kind of come out against it and said, we don't want this to happen. Yeah. And the last I heard was uh, Comnable and Jair Bolsonaro who's just a just a big old 
just a big old bad word. <laughs> I, I just don't have enough bad words for that guy. Yeah. Uh, said that they were going to call Chiche and like see if we could con- convince the Brazilian players to change their tune. And I was like, ugh. But then the Copa America is going to happen after that. And then also we have the Euros, which your story today, Drew, is about. Yeah. Yeah, it is about. Is there anything happening in Africa right now? Or is it just international friendlies? AFCON? Because I, I saw uh, Ahmad Diallo, who's a yes. starlet for Manchester United, uh, banging a winner for Ivory Coast, I believe. Um, do, 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 do. Where, when is the... No, it is uh, the 2021 Africa Combination is taking place in February 2022, apparently. Okay. Um, in Cameroon. Uh, so there's probably World Cup qualifiers slash qualifiers for the Africa Cup of Nations. Gotcha. gotcha. That's occurring right now. Um, I know I've seen some games in Asia as well. I don't know if AFC is doing something right now. Just because that is usually a more of a blind spot in my soccer intake. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just a whole crap ton lots, of lots. international competition happening right now. But Bef- yeah. Before we get to that, okay. I will say, I did want to read a review. Oh, yes. Because yes, yes. we do love reading our reviews and giving giving some love to the listeners, which are are like have been extremely nice and forthcoming and wonderful for us. We still we right now have sixty four podcast ratings. All of them are five stars. So close. So close, the nicest number. So close to sixty nine that you have no idea. This one is from AQ Crew, and it's five star review. Thank you very much. It says, "Love the pod!" Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! So, just imagine I said, "Love the pod!" with like a lot of excitement. Uh, Soccer and history with a healthy bit of stupid, which is the tagline. I can't fault them. Thank you, AQ Crew. Uh, I'm very sorry for making fun of the Columbus crew, uh, which I assume that maybe you are a fan of based on that name. (laughs) I do make fun of the crew from time to time. I also like the crew a lot. So I hope, I hope that still the crew, still the crew, (laughs) save the crew for the second time. Gosh, that was such a stupid. Yeah. Why would you like, it was such a avoidable, like non controversy to have just like you just got worldwide attention from your fans who did the whole save the crew movement. Yeah. And you had a new person who bought the team. And the whole point was we're, we're keeping the crew here. And then they were like, you know what we're going to do to be a more global brand. We're going to drop the crew name. They got super famous because our fans saved it. And I was like, what the, the wildest, the craziest part of it was um, one of the members of the crew front office at one point told a crew like one of the season ticket holder forum. Yeah. One of the, one of the fan fan group, the Nordic, uh, yeah. Uh, people that the guy was like, if you drop the crew name, I'll probably cancel my season tickets. And one of the front office members allegedly told him, but if we lose like 3000 of you, but gain 8,000 new fans, wouldn't that be worth it? I was like, (laughs) Holy crap that is such a that's a shitty thing to say i just like there's no other way to say it. yeah no it's it's that sucks yeah um 
So yeah, very happy that the crew are still the crew. And still the crew. That that all happened. But thank you very much, AQ crew. It would be funny if their name had nothing to do with the Columbus crew at all. <laughs> it was just like, and we just went on that AQ crew. Oh yeah, Australians questioning crew. That that's the that was my uh, high school trivia team kind of thing. Like uh, I made it when I was in middle school. That sort of <laughs> that sort of deal. And it had nothing to do with it. And we just went on that tangent. Yeah. But thank you so much for yes, the five-star review. Thank you, thank you. We appreciate it, uh, as always, to you, the person listening to this podcast. If you would like to give us a rating or review, it's one of the things that helps us out the most. So, thank you. Please rate and review if you haven't done that already. Drew. What up? The floor is yours. The floor is mine. As we've already alluded to, the UEFA European Championship, otherwise known as the Euro. Yep. Is right around the corner. I know because England are once again convinced they're going to win it. We are less than a week away from the yeah. opening weekend, yeah, which is pretty crazy. Opening game, Italy versus Turkey. Upset alert? <laughs> Maybe. Turkey is good. And Turkey it, is a lot of fun this year. We'll see. It'll, it'll be a fun tournament we'll for sure. Budak Yilmaz. <laughs> I have no idea how to do a Turkish accent. Um... We also alluded to the fact that we've told another European Championship, UEFA Euro story on this podcast before. We did. And that's when I told the story of Denmark a while ago, back in 1992. And wasn't wasn't also the story of the Penenka, like an indirect Euro story? Didn't that happen at a European Championship? Yes. So we've done a couple. Yes. I mean, yeah, we've, we've done stories that have centered around... The Euro, mm-hmm. which makes sense considering it is arguably the second biggest international tournament tournament in yeah. soccer. It's probably or pro- at, I, I or say- at least like the second most um, followed followed in it's it's in it's probably, Western culture. We'll we'll say it's tied with Copa America. Sure, yeah, aroundabouts. Yeah, so it, it's a uh, it's a big deal for yeah. sure. And for those of you who know about underdog stories in the Euro, it's Denmark, and then there's one other team uh, of recent history that uh, comes up quite often in this conversation. Quite often. And so I want to tell the story of, of said team. I, uh, Drew, I'm feeling like this is going to taste a little like baklava. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> so, uh, for those of you who do not know, Greece uh, is the other the under, other big underdog, the other big the underdog, other underdog, story underdog story in the Euro history in Euro lore. But okay, so like this is like I know you said beforehand you're like I'm kind of doing a more well known story and and that's true, but I was like looking online and thinking about this the other day where. There's a bunch of like, there's a bunch of teenagers that follow the U.S. who like basically never saw Landon Donovan play. Yeah, don't know anything about the U.S. outside of like the 2014 World Cup. Don't know any of like the early 2000s stuff. Like, and so it stands to reason that there's also a large population of soccer audience out there that doesn't really know much about this story. Absolutely, and. I mean, to to date myself, I was nine years old when 
Hey-o. this was happening, Hey-o. you know? So it, even me for myself, um, going back and, and reading through stories and watching highlights, I was like, man, I can't believe that this, that this actually happened. And I didn't, it's not talked about more, but I, it's, uh, it's, it's been 17 years ago. Quick maths. Quick maths. <laughs> so it, is four, minus one, <laughs> I mean, there, there are adults, uh, almost adults that, um, they probably don't know that weren't, yeah, weren't alive or weren't, or at least like weren't following. Certainly, yeah. yeah, because that's the other thing when you're like a soccer fan in America is like when did you actually start following? Yeah, yeah, like soccer, like to a to a good degree. Because like I remember watching like World Cup '98. Mm-hmm. Oh, somebody really just peeled out <laughs> in the street, yeah, outside my apartment. Unfortunate, yeah. It happens. <laughs> I remember watching World Cup 98 final with mom, but I really didn't start following soccer, like club soccer and like really like get super invested in it until around like 2006. Yeah. Ish. So, yeah, I mean, it's when you were you were 15 years old at the time. Yep. Which is about where I think most people are. Sure. Um, like for me, it's like, yeah, 2000, 2009, 2010. Yeah. I remember I caught the bug in the. uh that Barcelona Arsenal Champions League final when yes. Thierry Henry was playing for Arsenal and Barca had that Ronaldinho Deco team, yeah. uh, Samuel Eto. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That was a good team. Very, very good team. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into the story. Yeah. All right. Um, it, it happened a while ago, even though 2004 doesn't sound all that long ago. Yeah, it's amazing. We're old now. Yes. <laughs> When qualify when qualification for the tournament began, Greece was sitting in forty ninth place for FIFA rankings. So okay. it's not All like right. they weren't terrible. They weren't terribly rated by FIFA. No, they, top fifty, pretty but, pretty decent, pretty decent. Also, and, the FIFA rankings are and continue to be a joke. Yeah, before the two thousand six World Cup, the United States was ranked third in the world well yeah no i was gonna say the they u.s was ranked out of the group <laughs> at the same time the u.s was ranked like seventh yeah in the world and <laughs> they definitely were not they seventh definitely the were world. not that good so it's just you know it is what it is it's a it's a subjective coefficient ranking yeah. system yep so they were drawn into a qualification group with spain who at the time were good Pretty ranked decent. third in the world um ukraine at the time, ranked forty third, so about the same rating as. But this as is Greece. like Ukraine that has like Andrei Shevchenko, right? Shevchenko like, wasn't in the side uh, from what okay. I saw. Yet. He must have been just before him then. Um, I I may have something. missed that, but Ukraine plays a a smaller role in this story, so okay. I didn't look too deeply Fair into enough. that. Fair enough. So he he may have been in the team, but I didn't come across his name, and then. Um, Northern Ireland, who <laughs> historically have just never really been that good. They basically just have had George Best that one time. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Armenia, who... Small. Small. Real small. Ranked 100th, 100th in the world at the time. Uh, Yeah, like, gun to my head, I literally can only name Henrik Mkhitaryan. I was going to say, that's, that's the only person that's that I know, just because he played for <laughs> Yes. <laughs> So not the craziest group to get out of to qualify. You have to finish top of your group to get a chance, I mean, to move on to the Euro finals. 
Um, and if you finish second in the group, you move to a playoff with 10 other teams and five of those teams advance. So, okay. um, you know, it was basically Spain heavy favorite to win the group. And then it was between Ukraine and Greece to make it to the playoff. And yeah. then from the playoff, hopefully sure. squeak in to the Euro. I just realized I did lie. I can name exactly one other Armenian player. Okay. Yura Mav- Mavsisian. Okay. Because he played for Real Salt Lake for a long time. Ah, very <laughs> So I didn't know that. I realized that. I was like, do I know another Armenian player? <laughs> I do. But yes, playoffs, qualification, etc. Yes, yes. So after the first round of games, it certainly looked like that's how it was going to play out. Spain was in first with 10 points. Ukraine and Greece were tied, or were tied on six points. Ukraine having the edge yeah. in their head-to-head. And then... Um, Northern Ireland and Armenia rounded out the the bottom of mm-hmm. of the group yeah. with really no chance to yeah hey, to make it as as was kind of expected yeah like that's pretty much just follows the rankings and what people think yes so the battle for the top spot in the group actually heated up when Greece defeated Spain in their return leg one okay. nil all right um and so. This pushed them within one point. Yes. It's a big, big swing. In their next match, um, Spain drew Northern Ireland. Oh, no. Which is never good. Spain, what are you doing? Yeah. And then Greece won 1-0 again over Ukraine. And so that moved Greece into the top position. Yeah. Greece then did not look back, winning their last two matches against the bottom two teams can you take a guess what the final scores of those games were? Mm, okay, so I know that this Greece team was defined as a packet-in team. That was the whole thing about them. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to guess that they, they won both the games. Uh-huh. You're looking at me very excitedly. Were <laughs> um, <laughs> both of them 1-0? Yeah, both of them 1-0. <laughs> <laughs> You're exactly right. <laughs> hey, they knew what they were about. <laughs> It'd be every all all of their games one nil. Uh, hey, that's, you know. that's three points, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the way that crumbles. It's, it's the way it crumbles. It really is. So um, that made Greece the group winners. Yes, and they were headed to their second ever Euro. Wow, only two. Yeah, their last one was 1980. Their only other one was 1980. Um, and yeah, that's that. So that's very exciting to, for them yeah. to, to make it. Um, Spain would go on to get out of the, the, um, playing games, uh-huh. the qualifiers. So, um, they still got in good for them. And that's that, that was a, that was a thing because Spain were like kind of always regarded as a good team, but they were regarded as like the team that never won anything. Yes. Because when they won the Euro in 2008, and they went on that run that was, they won the Euro 2008, World Cup 2010, Euro 2012. Yeah. Kind of like unprecedented. But I remember before Euro 2008, there was a whole like ad campaign because it was all about like 
they never get it done on yeah. the international level. Definitely. And it was so it was like all these like uh, like Fernando Torres and Carlos Puyol and uh-huh. all these, all these <laughs> Spanish players that are supposed to be super super good but have never won an international trophy. And then they won like a historic kind of triple. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was impressive for sure. <laughs> Nobody but they, else but has they ever done it. But they couldn't beat the United States men's national team in 2009 the Confederations Cup. You feel me? <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> Charlie Davies. <laughs> So you have to be good to finish top of your qualifying group. Yes, absolutely. When you're playing eight games mm-hmm. um, and you're going up against the likes of Spain yeah. and Ukraine, who's another decent side. side They're hard um, to beat. They are hard to beat. So, I mean, that's that's impressive. And Greece had kind of built momentum at the start of the uh, millennia. Okay. Yeah, so 2000. And that was right about the time when Greece had a managerial change. Uh-huh. They had brought in, in 2000, legendary Bundesliga manager Otto Rehagel. Oh, okay. And so by the time that Rehagel had taken over the team, yeah. um, he had 26 Bundesliga seasons under his belt. Not bad. With a very impressive trophy cabinet. He spent a lot of time at Werder Bremen, yep. where he won two Bundesliga titles. Yeah, that's when Werder were real good. And two Pokals. Uh, he won a Pokal with Fortuna Dusseldorf. Yep. And then he also won a Bundesliga title with FC Kaiserslautern. Yes. And Kaiserslautern. Kaiserslautern is the only team to win a Bundesliga title the season after they've been promoted. Yes. Uh-huh. Which is probably a story that we should cover at some point because that's like... Pretty nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty that, crazy. To go from... Uh, it's like it's like like even like probably more higher than like the Leicester City winning absolutely. Premier League level. Absolutely. Yeah, Kaiserslautern is a it's, a... it's a funny... It's like a... I mean, just like a kind of ridiculous story but uh whenever i think of kaiser slaughter i always think of uh just like the u.s men's national team fandom because uh andrew wooten who's another german-american player Uh he has like two caps i think okay he got called up under jürgen klinsman and like kind of played a little bit and then and then disappeared forever but he was like there were several seasons in a row when he was just like tearing up the two (laughs) kaiser slaughter and people were like we need him. We need him. <laughs> we didn't need him. We didn't need him. So it's actually kind of crazy. Um, Ray Hegel was managing Munich, mm-hmm. Bayern Munich, sorry. And they had advanced to the Champions League final, mm-hmm. although at the time it was like the European Championship, just sure. at the club level. Yeah. And they were obviously doing well in that tournament, but in the league, they were sitting like fourth. Yeah. And the board wasn't happy with that. And to make matters worse, he was really butting heads with the team itself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Never a good sign. Specifically Jurgen Klinsmann. Yep. Uh, they had, there's a lot of bad blood between those two. There's a lot of bad blood between Jurgen Klinsmann and a stunning amount of That's people. true. That's It makes fair. you wonder. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so... Um, uh, Rehagel was 
famously fired four days before the final, the, the Champions <laughs> League final, uh, when Beckenbauer took over. Yep. And they Joel went on. Franz. They went on to win the European Championship. Yes, they did. And so, Rehegel has never won a European Championship. Yep. At the club level, but he was four days away from he doing it. He was four it. days away. Man, he got real. <laughs> it real was close. his team that won. Possibly closer than anybody else. <laughs> and so he moved directly from Bayern Munich to uh, Kaiserslautern, yep. who had just gotten relegated to the two Bundesliga. Promoted them and then won the league with them. It's like really like revenge body season. Yes, yes, (laughs) absolutely crazy. Um, So Rehigal has a unique coaching style Mm. that can draw comparisons to. I just selected one modern day manager Uh um, and. I don't know. That I'm is. sure. I'm sure some other people can can draw other comparisons. So, um, he was a very defensive oriented yeah. uh-huh. manager. Yes, he was. He um, was also very arrogant because he won a lot. Uh huh. And he hardly ever. He he never admitted when he made a mistake or if he made an error. He was never wrong. He was always right. Yep. Is always. Rehagal's way or the highway. Yep. He wielded uh, power, un, unchecked power yep. in every club that he was in um, that was successful. And yes. if it wasn't success, if he didn't have that power, um, he lasted like a season with the club or and two we'll seasons. Just, and we'll just go. And, and we'll just, just go. Leave. Yeah. And or so, get fired. Yeah. The man that I that he draws comparisons to Jose Mourinho. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah, you know, I wasn't expecting that, too, but now that you say that, like, yeah, I could kind of see it. Yeah, a little bit. Definitely uh, not the arrogance thing, though. I've always I've always viewed Jose as a very humble man. Yeah, 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 so humble. Super humble. Rayagol didn't manage teams that play beautiful soccer. Nope. Full stop. But his teams won, and that's all that really mattered, and that's why all these teams kept on hiring him and yeah. kept on bringing him in. Yeah, no, I, I mean... He got the job done. There's a reason why many managers today still implement similar tactics. Yes, and and I might say that those tactics are, I think, even more effective at the international level Yeah, where you don't have... A full season. <laughs> people playing together day in, day out to work on all these little tactical nuances. Little Julian Nagelsmann, Wunderkins yeah. all over the place, like <laughs> doing stuff with their clubs. And, and then it's all of a sudden it's like, all right, international level. Let's do some set pieces, guys. Yeah. yeah. When it's done right, you app, you make your opponents who always seem better technically and usually are better technically mm-hmm. absolutely self-destruct. See Honduras. <laughs> After four years at the helm of Greece, an incredibly successful qualifying campaign for the Euro 2004, the rest of Europe was about to find out exactly what kind of problems Rehagel and this Greece team could cause. And we are back with the second half of story time with the one, the only. Drew Snavely. Drew, you were about to tell us all about how Greece was about to lay the smackdown on teams that were better than them, basically. Yeah. Yes. Like a bunch of teams that were technically better than them had way better and more famous players, but uh that didn't matter, baby. Yeah. 
If you're hopping in halfway through the story, we're talking about the Euro 2004, baby. I don't know why. Somebody just <laughs> scrolls to the middle of the podcast like, oh, what's this all about? Better start in the middle. <laughs> all right. They probably just can't stand us like bantering the first 10 minutes of hey, the podcast. I like to think that it's charming. Yeah, yeah. Incredibly charming. <laughs> so the Euro 2004 was hosted in Portugal. Greece just so happened to be drawn into Portugal's group. Always oh. tough when you when you get the host country. Yeah, because historically hosts do incredibly well when they have home field advantage. Yes. Believe it is, or not. Which is why the Russian team in the 2018 World Cup ran more than everybody else. That, just the that home was, field. Yeah, was the only reason. It was the home field. <laughs> home field, baby. And nothing else. <laughs> nothing else. Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh. So also drawn into Greece's, Greece's and Portugal's group was... Spain, gosh, okay. who coincidentally was in the qualifying group. I feel like there's got to be like <laughs> rules against that now, where like if you had to qualify against them, you can't be in that group. It's crazy. It, it really is crazy. And then also Russia, oh, which is very funny. Imagine that. <laughs> we'll bring Russia to the party. So Greece had the honor of playing in the first match. The kickoff is always the host country, the host versus country somebody versus somebody in their group. And it just happened to be Greece. What do you go, Greece? So, before we get further, I'd like to note that up until this point, Greece had never won a match in a major championship, <laughs> a major tournament. Yes. Um, they, I had already talked about, been in uh, the Euro in 1980. Yes. They lost three matches there, mm-hmm. all three of their matches, didn't advance at all. They're also in the 1994 World Cup, hosted in the United hmm. States of America. Sure. Where they had one draw and two losses. Uh-huh. And that yeah. one draw is the highest success that they've had on the international level. Hey, in who's the draw against? Major World tournament. Ah, uh, uh, I definitely did read this. <laughs> I, I, I definitely looked it up, but I, I didn't write it down. I got him, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you did get me. But it was against somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally was. <laughs> That's not the point, Adam. That isn't. It okay. isn't. We're here for a different reason. <laughs> so Greece came in here with a chip on their shoulder, I guess. Something to prove. Sure. To, I mean, they finished top of their group with Spain. Um, they weren't to be trifled with. They had a proven manager who comes into sides and implements his culture. Yeah. And historically been really successful and so greece didn't waste any time facing off against portugal yeah just making their statement and um announcing themselves on the international stage i think i think an an added context here is that portugal also kind of came in with a chip on their shoulder because they're hosts but this is the first major tournament after the 2002 world cup and the 2002 World Cup, like, Portugal has one of the best teams in the world on yes. paper. They've got Luis Figo leading the team. They've got legends of Portuguese soccer all playing for them. Deco. At, yeah. And they were supposed – they had an easy group at the World Cup in 2002. They were yeah. supposed to easily advance. They had South Korea, the United States, and Poland. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Poland. It was in, I know it was Eastern Europe. Portugal – at that time, was supposed to walk over that group. They got bounced. 
the yeah. U.S. and South Korea advance. It's big yikes. Yes. Big yikes and the, and that was That was the, the opening game of, of their World Cup was the U.S. beating Portugal 3-2. And everybody was like, what? Because the U.S. just came in last place in the, in the last World Cup. It was in South America, though. Correct? Or no, was no, it, it was, in it was, it was, it was in, in South Korea. That was the 2002 World Cup was the Jap- Japan South oh. Korea, which is why South Korea was in it. Very fun. Uh, very fun which i think the only world cup they had qualified before was 1994 i believe okay okay which we vaguely talked about because uh we talked about that on the oj simpson episode because they played a world cup game on that during the oj simpson yes like chase oh my gosh yeah that's yeah right. we're really that's throwing so it back funny. now <laughs> okay. really throwing it okay back. so both teams are coming to yes. this with chips on their shoulder but portugal but is supposed to win i was gonna say portugal has everything to prove Mm -hmm. and greece has nothing to lose this is this is very true and so that sounds like a recipe for success for me (laughs) it really does (laughs) if uh if you're a team that uh it seems that you let pressure get to you yeah and from past experience it seems like that was the case with this portugal Mm -hmm. team maybe Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit. maybe so and so in the seventh minute it might not come as a huge surprise to you that greece Scored the opening goal. Was it a set piece? <laughs> um, I didn't look specifically into this game. Okay, I'm assuming that I'm assuming it was. That it might have been a corner you, kick or you're, you're gonna like you're gonna notice a pattern here yes. if you haven't already noticed a pattern. Um, but Greece scored first, and it was right off the bat, and that's all that you really need to know. And then also know that they scored again in the 51st minute to go oh, up 2-0. Wow. Which, that's huge for Greece. Huge, that's huge, basically huge a, for that's Greece. That's basically a 5-0 lead for the 2004 <laughs> <Essentially>, Greek team. <laughs> essentially. Uh, and then that other Ronaldo guy scored a last-minute consolation goal. Yeah, whatever. But it didn't matter. Didn't matter at all. Because Greece went on to win 2-1. Yeah, they did. And had their first ever major tournament victory. It does make me happy that Cristiano Ronaldo was on the team so that he could lose. This was the year that Cristiano Ronaldo and Wayne Rooney introduced themselves on the international stage. Yeah. And then two years after that, Wayne Rooney stomped on one of the Portuguese players nuts in the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, the Battle of Nuremberg. And Cristiano Ronaldo tried to fight him. Yeah. That was. I don't think it would have gone well for Cristiano Ronaldo. Probably not. Now, if they did it, I'm taking Ronaldo. But back then, absolutely Definitely Wayne not. Rooney. Yeah, he was super wimpy back then. Yeah, and Rooney was like this northern Englishman <laughs> whose liver was made of steel. <laughs> he probably didn't feel pain. <laughs> Hanging out with strippers at 16. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Rough. Yeah. Not great. <laughs> <laughs> Not great Shots at all. Shots out to <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. So, next up for Greece was their qualifying nemesis, Spain, mm. who had gone, who had defeated Russia in their opening match. As was expected. As was expected. Spain drew blood first in this, it was relatively chippy game. Sure. Um, they scored in the 28th minute. Gotcha. But, Greek giant, Angelos... Karasteus. I love all the Greek names. Yes. A hundred percent. I mean, the best is is clearly the best Greek soccer player name is clearly 
Socrates Papasthopolis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because yes. there's so many syllables. Also, your your first name is literally Socrates. <laughs> yes. And he is still playing. And he's still yeah. for Olympiakos. Yeah. A- wait, Angelos is no, 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 no. Oh, no. Socrates. Socrates. Soc- Soc- that's not how Socrates. I, that's, that's how yeah. Pronounce it Socrates. Now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Socrates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite Greek axe murderer. Did he really go from Arsenal to Olympiakos? I guess that makes sense. He's yeah. Kind of old. Yeah, he's old. He's older. Yeah. So I, I say Greek giant. I mean, um, Karasteus is six three. Sure. Six so three forward. Pretty tall for a full for a soccer player in general. Yeah. Um, and there was always a huge forward in uh, Rehigal's system. Yeah. He always had a big forward with wingers who crossed the ball. Um, the target man. And like that's how they scored on the counter. Yeah. Pacing wingers. Crossing the ball in, big old forward, <laughs> heading home, meaty forehead. Yeah, heading home, the goals, banging the goals, and everybody else is like hounding the crap out of. <laughs> everybody else, your job is defense. <laughs> yes, essentially. <laughs> and so, um, Karasteus leveled the score in the 66th minute. The match played out to the draw with Greece picking up five yellows. To Spain's two sounds sounds about right. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. So Portugal in their game defeated Russia and eliminated eliminated Russia mathematically from the competition. It's probably just because they didn't have that home field advantage. That's probably sweet, sweet that sweet home field sweet advantage. Home field advantage <laughs> coursing through their veins. <laughs> the pride of their nation. The pride of their nation just <laughs> influencing their muscles. <laughs> oh gosh so portugal defeated spain in their final match meaning that all greece had to do was not lose by two or more goals to russia to advance to the knockout round sure so that became a problem by the 17th minute oh, of the greece russia match when russia scored their second goal to go up 2-0 that's so that's this is such a greece like this is such like a a bad team that's doing better than they think they're going to do thing. (laughs) Yes. Like we did the hard parts and now like we're giving up a goal to Russia. Who's already eliminated. Yes. Uh. (laughs) Thankfully, Greece pulled one back in the 43rd minute and that was all they really needed to do to advance. Just get that draw, baby. Edging out. No, no, still a two, one loss. Oh, still a two, one loss. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But they managed to edge out Spain on more goals scored. Because they were level on goal differential. That's hilariously embarrassing for Spain. Spain only scored two goals. Spain scored less goals than Greece. Greece at least scored four times. Wow. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah, Spain really did need that wonder team in the at the end of the 2000s. They, yes. really, they were really down bad. <laughs> Definitely. So, Greece advances to the knockout round, finishing second getting to play the winner of Group B, who just so happened to be current title holders, France. Oh. Francais. Oh. Oui, oui. We're talking Zinedine Zidane, Thierry yeah. Henry, yeah. Makalele. Ugh. I mean, like, this team was, was Basically, good. Basically, <laughs> every single French team from, like, the last two decades, you look at it on paper and you're like, this team should win everything. Yeah. And it's basically just a question of, but did they self-implode for some reason, like in 2010? 
<laughs> when they revolted against their manager <laughs> in the middle of the World Cup. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. What a time. What a time. What a time. So the game kicks off, and after frustrating French attacks for most of the match, which yes. was a specialty of this Greek side, um, Angelos Karasteas. Doing it. Our Greek king. Our Greek god. Our hero. <laughs> Get it? I, yeah, I did. <laughs> our hero. I hate you. <laughs> that might be the worst joke ever told in this podcast. <laughs> At least I didn't write it down. Yeah, that's, you, did you just come up with it on the fly? I mean, like, it was... You were was, thinking it. I was tossed around in the, in the old noggin yeah. while I was writing the story. Our but Greek yeah. hero. <laughs> Uh, smashed in a cross with his big old noggin. Uh, <laughs> Greece did what they do. They got their lead and they packed it in. It's time to hold it, baby. It's time to hold the lead. And they saw out that 1-0 victory, sending them into the semifinals. Basically, every Greece game is the siege of Helm's Deep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it really is. On the other side of the bracket... Uh, England had just lost on penalties. <laughs> of course they did. Two, of course they did. The only other team with more to lose, Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So in the semifinal, Greece faced off against a very dangerous Czech Republic team. Led oh, by yeah. the likes of Pavel Nedved. Mm-hmm. And Thomas Rosicki. Rosinski is a problem. And Peter Cech, between the sticks. Shout out, Peter Cech. So, I mean, this is a good Czech Republic side. Oh, yeah. Very much um, so. That was one of the favorites heading into the tournament. Two years later, they, they smashed the United States in the yeah. World Cup. Yeah. And my boss, Jimmy Conrad. Ah. <sighs> Who didn't no. play in that game? He will. He will tell you. <laughs> I didn't play. The- <laughs> he didn't play in the Italy game where they drew against the eventual champions, oh, and it was man. possibly the worst refereeing I've ever seen in a World Cup match. <laughs> he also played in the Ghana game, which was tough. Yeah, tough. The 2006 World Cup was tough for the United States, very, but that's okay. It's okay. That's all right. We're not hey, going to talk about that. We are. We are definitely not. So Greece stuck to their system here and caused problems for yet another world class attack. Yeah holding Czech Republic to zero goals in 90 minutes. The problem was that Greece hadn't scored either, so this game was headed to extra time. Mm-hmm. This is a very fun fact about the 2004 Euro. Drew, what is this podcast if not a series of fun facts? <laughs> I feel like we say this every <laughs> We episode. do, but it's still true. This was the only ever major tournament where there was a silver goal rule. Oh. Okay. And the silver goal rule was that if a team was winning after the first 15 minutes of extra time, the game ended. And the team that was winning just won. They, they didn't play the second half of the extra time. You know, I actually kind of like that rule. I actually kind of wish that rule still existed. <laughs> they probably got rid of it because Greece won this match. Mm, true. <laughs> In the first half of extra time. Spoiler alert. Yep. Um, but, I mean, that's that's exactly what happened. Yes. Uh, they waited to till the very last minute of the first half of the extra time. Yeah. We're talking like 105 plus one mm-hmm. minute. Um, 
when Trianos Delis. Okay. Not as fun, but still kind of fun. A defender headed in a corner. <laughs> yes, they did. And just like that, the final whistle blew yep. right after the goal. And silver goal, baby. Silver goal. Greece advances to the final. The final. Greece. After and, a long uh, and winding journey, the story ends in the final of the year of 2004 against none other than the host of the tournament, yeah, Portugal. I didn't realize that they played Portugal in the final and that it was like the the perfect bookend. The first yeah. game of the tournament was also the last game of the tournament. It's the only time that that's ever happened in the Euro. That's and, crazy. And probably... I doubt it's in, happened in the World Cup either. Yeah, yeah, definitely not the World Cup. I don't know about other regional, uh, major international yeah, tournaments. Sure. But it's the only time it's happened in the Euro. Yeah. For good reason. Um, it's <laughs> totally... <laughs> really hard to do, considering... You have to finish top two in the group uh-huh. of, of the team that you're facing on the first day. And then you go to different sides of the bracket. And then you, pl- and you make you it have all the way to the final. Make it all the way That's to the a final. lot of games. That's a lot of chances to lose. Yes. <laughs> it, it really is. If it really is. <laughs> so the match played out pretty similarly to... All of the other games that yeah, Greece, Greece is defending. In. Greece, 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 is, Greece knows what they're about. And they, it is packing it in, baby. It didn't matter who they were facing. It didn't matter that they were looking in the eyes of Luis Figo, Deco, Cristiano Ronaldo, Rui Costa. Yeah, Rui Costa. Yeah. I mean, all these guys. Yes. Um, uh, Ricardo Carvalho oh, was on I this team. Oh, Ricardo Carvalho. Yeah. I mean, was, was Pepe in the Portugal side by then? Pepe was not. Okay. Yeah. He's like he's one of those people that just was was around, has been around for so, so long that you yeah. expect him to be. Yeah. They were going to make life absolute hell, no matter who the attacking players were, no matter how talented they were. If it was Cristiano Ronaldo or if it was some random people from Azerbaijan, they were going <laughs> to really, really make it. A living hell. Portugal pushed and pushed trying to find an opening goal, but were unable to do so. Mm. Greece were absolutely hounding Portuguese attackers. Hey. Thankfully, with it being 2004, I was able to watch a lot of the highlights of the game. Nice. And it was just like, you could you could see the frustration on <laughs> all of these dudes' faces. Yeah. After shot, after shot. Um, bad shot after bad shot. Because <laughs> this... This is 2004, early 2000s. Dudes were just letting it rip from 40 yards out. Oh, yeah, dude. On a const, a consistent clip. A very kind of, consistent clip. Kind of the clip. golden age of like the late 90s, early 2000s when it was just like, if you had the ball 35 yards from goal, it's like, yeah, why not take a shot? And nobody was mad about it. No, nobody was <laughs> mad about it. Nobody's talking about, oh, more high quality shots kind of thing. Like, no, we're letting it rip. And it... Produced some of the best goals ever scored, but also definitely way less goals. Yes. And so, I mean, that's what Portugal was settling for. Yeah. Because anytime they got anywhere near the box, it was Just a blue wall. three Greeks on them at all times. Which usually you have to pay extra for. <laughs> <laughs> oh Listen, that was a good one, and I'm not going to apologize for it. 
I'm not going to apologize for it one bit. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that there's only way to move, and that is forward. <laughs> Onwards and upwards. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, in the 57th minute, Greece got their first and only corner kick oh, of the match. No, it was a corner kick. Angelus Bassinus uh-huh. swung in the ball that met the perfect run of our Greek god. Yes. Angelos Karasteas. I need a hero. <laughs> whose header once again found the back of the net. I mean, the balls were flying off this dude's head. Yeah. Like, he was born to do one thing, and that was head balls into head, the back Head of the, the soccer ball into the net. The power that this guy was able to generate from his head. His traps must have been huge. Unreal. The neck muscles, wild. Absolutely unreal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Portugal pushed and pushed. By the end of the game, having piled on 16 shots and 10 corner kicks. Jeez. But they never managed to put the ball in the back of the net. The only is, place that really matters. You, you got to put it in the fridge. You got to put it in the fridge. If you don't put it in the fridge, nothing to talk about. Another one of Greece's headed goals is all that separated the two sides at the end of 90. Just as it had against France and the Czech Republic. How many shots did Greece have in that game? Four. <laughs> Four shots, one on target. That's a 25% success rate. It is. Not a 25% success rate, but 25%. Uh, or if success is... A goal. No, if success is shooting the ball on target, then it's, oh, yeah, 25% success gotcha. rate. Sure. So, I mean, yeah. Hey, sometimes it only takes one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. <laughs> this the opportunity comes once in a lifetime. In the case of Greece in the year 2004... They literally only had one corner kick and one shot on target, and they did not blow that. They did not blow that shot. <laughs> Shots out Eminem. Um, Greece had won the Euro 2004, despite having the second lowest odds of any anyone in the tournament. Um, Somebody it, made I, bank betting I, on I Greece. believe it was Tunisia. Uh, that, that, that would make sense. That was... Lower than Greece. Yeah, the longer odds. The longer odds, yeah. And they had done it against a home team. Yeah. In front of a home crowd. Twice. Two times. Otteregal <laughs> 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 and his Greece team never wavered. They never quit and never changed the way they played. Their hope-crushing style of soccer. Hope-crushing is a great way to describe it. <laughs> The team was torn apart for their style of play by papers, oh, players, of they were. pundits. Yeah. Everyone. Oh, it's anti-football, mate. Pauletta, who was the starting striker for the Portuguese team, mm-hmm. said after the match that it was regrettable that a team that does nothing but depend, defend ends up as European champions. Sounds like a loser to me. <laughs> exactly. How many times have we heard this from a team that on paper should win nine times out of ten? I mean, we were about to hear it from a bunch of U.S. fans against Honduras. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Uh, gosh. To all those players, to all those people that 
I don't know, discounted their style of play, I call bullshit. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> it's awesome that Greece won. It's awesome when any underdog wins in a way like this. I don't care what anybody else says. Unless Greece, they're like obviously problematic. I mean, for, for various yes, reasons. Yes, yes. Yeah, but Greece, from what I read, was not. Yes, they were just problematic because they defended a lot. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and you know what? At the end of the day, they might have gone through some um, you know, some bad press yeah. after after their triumph, but they are remembered now, and they are immortalized. That 2004 Greece team, we're talking about them today. Yeah. Before today, we didn't even know that it was Portugal that they beat in the finals. I didn't know. I didn't realize. I just knew that Greece won that final. Yeah, exactly. Count and the rings, baby. Count the rings, and that's all that really matters at the end of the day even if it isn't the most attractive style of soccer. Yeah. You know, it's like, if you want to talk crap about the way that somebody's playing, go out and beat it the way that, go out and beat them the way that you, you want, want to play. play. Yeah. You know, like You've been given uh, guys who God touched their right or left boot. <laughs> or sometimes both. Or sometimes both. And are like, the best <laughs> attacking talents of their generation go out and beat a team that's going to defend for 90 minutes nonstop. It is always very funny to me when like people from like people whose teams are better complain about how another team plays when the other team is clearly just playing to win. And it's like, Oh, I expect that. What do I expect them to do? I expect them to play in a way that I know and they know benefits my team and not to win. Yeah, like, no, you got to know your team. Gonna, the teams are going to play to win and get over it. Like, get over yourself. And that includes me sometimes. Sometimes I complain about it because I, that's happened to my teams before. Yeah, and you're that, a sore loser. Yeah. And I'm the same way. Who isn't a sore loser? <laughs> you know? We all want to win. So we got to get over it. Yeah, and that's why Otto and you still have guys like Jose Mourinho who come out and win trophies and get appointments to big clubs because they set up their teams in a way that doesn't look good mm -hmm. and doesn't feel good, mm -hmm. but they win and winning feels the best. Tell them Drew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Jose Marino and Romo is going to suck. Yeah. It probably. <laughs> that's, that's, probably. That's not going to be good. <laughs> Some sources for the story are Rory Smith from ESPN, Aiden Williams from these football times, Phil McNulty from BBC and the UEFA archives for match reports. Also, shouts out to YouTube and all you guys that posted up highlights of the 2004 Euro possibly uh, illegally <laughs> tournament. It's still on YouTube. So it is. hey, <laughs> oh man, 2004 Greece won the Euros and hosted the Summer Olympics, and then basically their economy completely crashed after that, and everything was really really downhill. But 2004. That was a good year. That bunch of Greece, Greek people are feeling really good yeah. in 2004. Greece's, Greece's economy really got hit hard when it was like the global recession. Yeah. 2008, 2009. But, they were, but even before that. Before were, then, it wasn't great. Yeah, but, they, were, they were struggling. I, I was wondering if I should uh, include that aspect of the story. But from what I read, articles on CNBC. Oh, shout out. Uh, <laughs> Um, that are all about economics and stuff like that. Mm, uh, made it numbers, seem like percentages. 
the Olympics uh, definitely played a role in the economic collapse in in Greece, but it was just a just a portion of why it went so bad. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the cause of why it got so bad. The what, Athens, the Athens Olympics were um, Michael Phelps's first Olympics. Oh yeah, he that's was like right. seventeen. Or he won something. like bronze medal. He won a gold. He won a gold. He won at least one gold. Wild, crazy to think about. Crazy, Drew. Thank you so much for bringing up the story of of Greece and their Euro triumph. Um, I think relatable and and good for a lot of people. I, I, the Euros are are just usually really really great, uh, like a kind of a goldmine for content like this, just because it does seem like it's so many teams that are really really good that are forced to play each other, and you get more of these types of stories. Yeah. So that's always like, I mean, people say that the Euro is the hardest competition to win internationally just because it's like, Oh, all the teams are good. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. Um, all like all the teams have a certain baseline level of, of quality that doesn't appear in most of the other regions, which is, which is more or less fair. Yeah. Um, even though in like, uh, in, uh, not Copa America stuff, but in world cup qualifying stuff, uh, what was it? Bolivia just beat someone. I think Bolivia just beat Peru. Mm. And I was like, ooh, ouch. Peru should be winning that game. Yeah. Seriously. Not good. Not good for you guys. Anywho, thank you so much, Drew. And thank you so much, you, the person listening to this podcast. We would not be here if it was not for you. If you are interested in hearing more from us, supporting us, following us, doing all that stuff, the most important thing you can do as I said before, is leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more people see the podcast, and it helps us out the most. But if you're interested in following us, we are at DeadballPod everywhere. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. We also have an email, uh, DeadballPod at gmail.com, where you can email us suggestions for stories, corrections for things, because we get stuff wrong all the time. You can make fun of us. It's okay. We're easily made fun of. And that's just the way it goes. Uh, But I think that is all that we have for you today. So, until next time, my name is Adam Whitaker-Stavely. And I'm Drew. And we will see you very, very soon. 